you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Would you like to swing on a star? Ba-da-da. Carry moonbeams home in a jar. Da-da-da. And be better yeah. off than you mm-hmm. are. Da-da-da. Or would you rather be a pig? A pig is a creature that's as... And it goes on, and then the pig, it talks about how a pig is a terrible, slovenly creature. Oh. But wouldn't you rather swing on a star, Jimmy? I would rather swing on a star. <laughs> well, that's the point of the song. It's 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 probably uh, 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 not not a very good one for today, I don't you think. You know what? I think that was a perfect way to intro the show, Prof, because we're in the episode now. We're in it. We're in it. We're All in right. It. We're in it to win it. <laughs> What's the name of that song? Uh, Swing on a Star. Swing on a Star. I'll have to look I, it up. I just made up the words as I sang with you and pretend like I knew it. Older viewers may recognize it as the theme song to the short-lived sitcom of the 80s, Out of This World, about the little girl who could freeze time. Wow. And if you remember that show... You're over 35. <laughs> Leave a comment. I'm so sorry. Leave a comment below if you remember that show or if you remember your parents watching it. Anyway, welcome everybody to the Command Zone Podcast, a special episode as today I am joined by the professor. Hello. You have to say, how's it? How's it? <laughs> there we go. I'm Jimmy Wong. Rooster and... sauce. <laughs> Sriracha? Sriracha. You don't call it rooster sauce? No. Are we just saying the hot words that, well, hot, the uh, the words that Josh Lee Kwai would be saying now? Right, right, right. Mm, uh, uh, how's it value? Five color. Panharmonicon. No, 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 no. Vidalkan Ori. That's Vidalkan the real Ori. <laughs> anyway, today we are going to be discussing the philosophy of Commander. Uh, this is something that both Prof and I, I believe, have very strong opinions about. Now, Josh would be here. However, he has chosen to uh, purposely not be here because he's on the Commander Advisory Group, as you all know. And when they were writing the philosophy of Commander, which they released on their website at the same time as the Iona ban and the Painter Sermon unban, uh, Josh and I, we've been stuffed with work these past few weeks. And so Josh was actually unable to have any say or work on the uh, the philosophy of Commander with the rest of them because we were so busy. So he didn't feel like it was his right place to be qualified to be talking about it in a more critical or uh, discussion-based way. So we have me and the professor He instead. recused himself Recused, from correct. this conversation. And I stepped right in because I have no qualms, no (laughs) hesitation about offering the hottest of takes on this issue. That's right. But before we get into the show, one other hot take that we have that's actually pretty lukewarm at this point because you all know our sponsor is cardkingdom.com slash command zone and yours as well, right? Uh, Well, it's it's almost the same. It's It's slash TCC. TCC. Well, look, you can use either one of those next time you go to buy your magic products, your sealed products, your singles, and all that stuff. Uh, by the end of this episode, whoever you agree with more, maybe you'll use that link. Vote, vote with your dollars and your <laughs> orders from Card Kingdom. Vote with your dollars. That's the place to go to do it. Our other sponsor for the show, Ultra Pro. They provide the playmats that we use on game nights, as well as the sleeves and the stuff that we're able to give away to you after every episode. And of course, patreon.com slash commands on the best way to support us directly. And we shout out one lucky patron every single week. Prof, do you want to help me say this name together? It's... We're the name right here <laughs> it's 
Evan Sparkman. That's a cool name, actually. I know, Sparkman. Yeah. I, I, I bet Evan. Evan, do you think maybe Evan is like maybe a, a, a water-aligned wizard and is really irritated that everyone assumes that he's lightning-aligned or right, he likes fire and it's like, no, no, oh, no. you must be lightning. No, I'm fire. I'm, I'm fire. fire. I'm fire. Well, either way, Evan, you rock. Okay, on to the main topic here, the philosophy of commanders. So if you'll allow me a couple of seconds, uh, recently the Rules Committee slash Sheldon posted on the mtgcommander.net forums a longer post that was entitled, simply put, The Philosophy of Commander, and they laid out what they sort of thought was the overarching view and description of the ethos of Commander, what it means to play Commander, and as well as also how they described what items might be ban-worthy, considering the bans have gotten a lot of discussion recently. So, Let's just dive right into it, all right? I think uh, if you guys want to read the philosophy, it's, we're going to link it below. But one of the sentences that stood out the most to me was actually the end of the philosophy of Commander. Mm. So let's, let's read this together. Um, the last paragraph of the philosophy of Commander, I think, is one of the most important because it, it contains some very choice words. So, Prof, take it away. We encourage groups to use the rules and the ban list as a baseline to optimize their own experience this is not license for an individual to force their vision onto a playgroup, but encouragement for players to discuss their goals and how the rules might be adjusted to suit those goals. The format can be broken. We believe games are more fun if you don't. Now, this is at the end of the philosophy of Commander, the entirety of the beginning of it and all that stuff we will discuss in a bit but I thought this was really interesting in, in the way that they outline this whole thing. That They're like, this is what we believe the commander experience to be and what we want. And at the very end, they literally say, you can adjust those rules and you should use what we're saying as a baseline to optimize your experience. And specifically, not to allow one person like me, for instance, to come and say, like, I want to play commander like this, this and this and force it on players, but rather to encourage discussion. What do you think about that idea? Well, I, I think the sentiment is really nice. And I actually want to just start before we even get into any of this by mm -hmm. saying that uh, I think that the committee, that the advisory group, that everybody involved in this loves Commander. Absolutely. And that they really deserve the respect of being given the benefit of the doubt for they are trying to make the game better. They are doing what they believe is for the best interests of the game and that any disagreements you or I or anyone might have might be about implementation because we too love the game, but it is in no way anything against the individuals of that group who are giving their free time and energy and yes. effort to make this format that we all love better. And that being said, I do believe that this statement, in fact, the entire statement that they issued was very well intentioned, <laughs> but there's also a lot that becomes contradictory. And on a very broad level, the first thing that strikes me is that if this is meant only as suggestions, then why is it rules? Because right, rules see. are things to be followed. Suggestions are things to be considered. And the emphasis in this final paragraph that you've uh, begun the podcast with, Jimmy, this is saying, do or don't, just take it under advisement. And yet everything is very strict in terms of people are going to follow the bands that they have made. People are going to restrict themselves. Now, there's exceptions, of course, but mm -hmm. it seems contradictory. Yeah, I agree with you there. And to your prior point, I also agree. These people, again, the people that are on the advisory group that are on the rules committee, they're not getting paid to do this. No. This is outside of their normal jobs and all that. And I'm assuming a lot of these people have busy lives, but they're dedicating their free time as well as their passion and love for the game to try and make it a better experience for the whole. It's very utilitarian of them. So I would advise you, 
to please be civil if you decide to engage with these people online, engage with right. us online, because this is overall, again, we're all doing this because we love a card game, not because we want to tear it apart. We all have suggestions. We all have a lot of things that we're thinking about. But these people are putting in their free time to do this, and we should re definitely respect that, especially in our discourse with them. As my syllabus from my days as a college professor said in every single class, disagreement and debate is actually encouraged, but disrespect is what is unacceptable. I see. And I think that that is a level of complexity we as Magic players are able to wrap our heads around because yeah. we're used to very... I mean, have you read some of these cards? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, so let's actually begin and talk about what you just mentioned professor which is they gave an outline a broad outline of what the philosophy of candor is and at the end also kind of maybe seemed a little bit not hypocritical might be the not be the right word but kind of step back on their own statement saying but take this all as just simply words and choose this as a baseline to maybe optimize your own experience uh and that's interesting because you're right it does kind of create a situation where they're putting together and laying out a very steadfast list of rules and at the same time saying but you can change them should it fit or please your playgroup. Right. Which, of course, I think is something many of us are familiar with. I think probably everybody has at some point, even if you don't have, and I've heard some playgroups have their own ban list, mm -hmm. they have their own house rules that are all-encompassing, but even in my playgroups where we do follow the quote-unquote official commander rules, we have experimented as well. We have had nights where we said, all right, regardless of, of whether or not uh, uh, the latest unset just came out, we are doing <laughs> Silver Border Night. Right. We have Silver Border Night. We have done Planeswalker as Commander Night just, just to see what would happen. You know, let's throw it together. Let's find out. Let's do Popper Commander Night. Uh, and we do see that for happens. fun. Let's see what yeah. happens. Let's do No Bands List Commander Night. See what happens. And I think that this is something that a lot of people are very familiar with uh, within totally. their own playgroups. Again, the idea is, is what is the purpose, what is the function of having an official band list, an official rules committee? What Could we just have no bands? Could we just have no committee at all? Just let it all go happens. to the wind? Yeah, perhaps. Let people make their own decisions? Well, that's why I really want to start the discussion off today, which is the idea and Commander players love this because mm -hmm. it's inherent to the format, and also humanity in general has this, it's the social contract. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So the social contract is a very broadly descriptive thing that we've talked about as humans for a very, very long time. Lots of philosophers have covered this. And the basic idea is that this is something that's inherent to humanity. In order for us to exist in society, we get some value from society, and then we also contribute to it in some way as well. So a really good example of what the social contract might, might be something that you can understand is like roads. Right, The value that we derive from a road is that we are able to get safely from point A to point B. We can travel it. It's well-built. It's paved. Right. It's safe. And what we do in contributing to this, the social contract, is that we obey traffic laws. Right. We don't speed. We, uh, we respect the fact that if a cop pulls us over, they're doing so because you know we've broken a law or we're creating an unsafe environment for other people. So that is a sort of stated, understated social contract that we put ourselves into and that we also have to go get trained. We have to get a driver's license and get insurance right. and all that right. stuff. Um, and the social contract itself is something that I think is very similar to what we have in Commander, which is like you go into a playgroup, you're not going into necessarily, your, your goal is not to crush foes. Your goal is, to, goal is to have fun because you're deriving the value of other people playing and you're having fun. And what you contribute to it is an environment where you're not, quote unquote, breaking the law. And these things are all unsaid, right? And the philosophy of Commander document is a way to try and encapsulate what that social contract is, but in written form. So, right. And even if your your fun is through crushing foes, there's a difference between having a deck that you're going to actually get a game of Commander in, which mm -hmm. I think is something that 
all joking aside, and I love to do jokes about like just out of control, power hungry commander <laughs> players who are who are just doing whatever they can to be as despicable a deck builder as possible. But I think that's funny because in reality, the humor for me comes from the fact that in reality, what I want is to get a game of commander in. When you sit down and everyone draws up and goes a turn in, and then someone has realized they're not going to be able to play due to say mana issues, mm-hmm. everybody else feels a little bummed out. You don't go, right. ha ha, yes, got you. If you're sitting down at a, a a GP GP and your opponent in modern has been mana screwed well maybe you think a little like all right I gotta win and in you know that's a competitive that's a competitive format it's 1v1 there are prizes on the line as well as pro points and all that stuff I wanna get a game of commander and I wanna crush you after you've actually had a chance to fight back (laughs) yeah Uh, so you know we do want that uh, I agree. Well, let's talk about the social contract and why it works then, mm-hmm. right? So the reason that we all sit down and have these feelings is there There are a few different ways of people looking at it. Uh, one is the idea of natural law, that humans are hardwired to seek the common good overall. Uh, there have been, of course, a lot of agreements and disagreements about that over time. There's the economic theory of law, which says humans will ultimately respond to incentives. So, for instance, I go into a game, I expect to have a quotient of fun. Mm-hmm. And if the social contract is established and it provides those incentives, then I'm going to follow the natural rules of it. Right. I'm, if I go into the game and I know I'm going to have more fun if everyone plays, so I'm going to play my group hug deck. Group right. hug deck. Right. That's the economic theory of laws that you're giving some to get some. So uh, the the there is a guy named Rousseau who said that humans prioritize personal liberty in life and avoid conflict for the social contract. And then Hobbes said that we need the social contract because humans are naturally warlike and need that to prevent our own violent nature. So you may fit somewhere on that scale, but these are, you know, this is again something that's been talked about for a very, very long time. So let's move on. I think Hobbes was more correct about Commander. <laughs> I really do. I think at the end of the day, Commander is about making things work. We mm-hmm. really like going through, we've got the restriction on who can be our Commander. We've got a restriction on what colors we can use. Singleton and format. We want, right, singleton format. You only get one of each card. And we want to make it work and we want our kind of in a sense, doomsday machine to go off right. and and have that that warfare, that inherent kind of desire to, I guess, crush our friends. I want them to enjoy themselves a little bit first, though. But I do want to win. Yeah, I do want to win. I really do. I, I am not going to lie to you, Jimmy, and say, I sit down at Commander and I don't care if I win or lose. I really do want to win. Every time, whether it, whether it's on uh, an episode of, of Game Nights or whether it's on just, you know, Friday Night Commander, right. you know, night with my playgroup, I want to win, man. And I think that does vary for a lot of people, too. I, I mean, I, I know for a fact that I'll sit down at the table and in my mind I'm saying, I would like to win, but if I don't, I would still enjoy the experience throughout. So I think that's an interesting part of what the social contract of Commander is. And if you're right, if it is closer to Hobbes saying that we are naturally warlike and we need these things to help limit that, then Commander makes this really interesting balance where we are all coming to the table with essentially weapons, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are all decks that are built to do something and try and accomplish a goal. But without the social contract, it would just be all out. I'm going to play the craziest, hardest thing I can to win the game. I'm going to Armageddon and Mass Land Destruction all the time. I'm going to play X, Y, and D and go infinite. So the social contract is then what holds back this natural tendency, are you saying, to potentially the want and need to win in Magic? Well, what also holds you back is that you can build a deck like that, and then you get to play it once, and then you're not going to have a play group that you're able to play that deck in anymore. Ah, so. And I've had that experience myself with my <laughs> decks, but but in a in a joyful way, where, for example, when Leovold, uh, I think I've, I've told you this story before, yeah. uh, uh, Jimmy, the first time I, I built a totally souped-up Leovold 
uh, deck and sat down and played it, it turned into Arch Enemy against me, and I totally won. And afterwards, I said, well, I don't want to play this again, because the idea of playing it every single week, it would just be the same sort of lockout, no fun. Right. It was fun to play the one time, though. But then after that, I wanted to get in some real games of Commander. Right. It's like you could go and drive that sweet McLaren. Sure. You know, and, and it, it's a $200,000 so, car and yeah. it's going to whip around the racetrack. But do you want to use that every day to get from place to place? Sure, sure. I, I don't really know what type of car that is, but it's just, I'll take it's, your word for it. It's a fast car. Yeah, cars. Cars are cool. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, then let's just keep diving into what the social right. contract of Commander is. Um, before we discuss what the philosophy of Commander wrote, what are some things, and I'll, I'll say this as well, what are some things that define Commander for you that make, like, at the core essence of it? If you're like, this is why I like Commander, what are a couple of the things that come to mind for you? Self-representation, Self-representation. for me. I, whether it's through this Commander, like, it, it is evocative either in artwork, flavor, mm-hmm. or in mechanics mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, I just love the mechanic of this commander that represents my play style, or I just love the flavor, how he or she is drawn just as, like, like <laughs> Leovold, I, I really like Leovold's flavor of this opulent, you know, like oh, it yeah. was so unusual an for elf? an elf yeah. to be this, this let's make a deal swindler sort of like, like Game of Thrones right. uh, 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 type. So I think that that's something is that we express ourselves through the choices we make in both the commanders we build around and then the deck that we build around that commander. Right. I think for me, ultimately, it's the group experience that Mm. really defines it for me. I love sitting down with people I don't know. I've traveled a lot around the world, and playing Magic is one of those things where you sit down and you don't need to say a single word between each other to understand what's happening and to like interact with someone that doesn't even speak the same language as you. So I think the joy of Commander for me has always been those fun nights where everyone is gathered around excited to either show off a new deck, play a new thing, or even just to play with friends that they've had old grudges and stuff against. <laughs> so that for me is, I think, one of the more defining aspects of why I love it. And of course, self-expression as well, as well as is something that's obviously very important, as I am Jimmy the Red. Uh, another aspect that I think is very important in Commander is the fact that aside from it's uh, still, I mean, if you think about how many cards are legal in Commander versus how many are banned, right. we're talking about a, 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 massive. a tiny fraction of cards are actually banned. You have all of these cards to choose from, and at, for a lot of people, you can use cards that have no use anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I can't play these cards in Modern. I can't play these cards in Legacy. I can't play them in Standard, certainly. I can't play them in uh, Popper. I can't play them in, in various formats. Even if they're legal in those formats, they just are not going to work for the competitive nature of all of those formats. But here, I can play with this really neat card, really awesome card. Maybe it's something from high school. Maybe it's something just from the last set that rotated out and I can give a home to. And being able to go into your library of cards or finally buy this one card that you always wanted to play with, I think is a very important part of the Commander experience. I think back to Wedge playing Reconnaissance, right? That card has no (laughs) home anywhere, but it's such an interesting niche little card that plays with the rules of the format. I think it definitely, you know, if you want to go to the psychographics of Timmy, Johnny, Spike, and Vorthos, Commander is the one format that can encompass all of them without even breaking a sweat. Right. So I think that's very valuable. Right. Even though Commander has the same number of legal quote-unquote cards as say legacy or vintage give or take the fact that the competitive nature of those formats blocks out the vast majority Mm -hmm. of those cards i think it's fair to say that commander is the one 
uh, is it fair to say official Magic the Gathering format? Commander is an official format. I think yeah. it is now. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So I'd say that Commander is the one official Magic the Gathering format that uses the most that allows the the the, the most cards to actually be used and played and actually have a function and a chance at winning. Yeah, and that's awesome. That is awesome. There is something too that has worried me recently in the world, and mm. I've been a part of it as well, which is divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of toxicity online, and I've definitely contributed in ways that I didn't realize till after the fact. And Commander is one of those few moments that, because you're face-to-face with someone, you have to sit down and talk to them and interact with them and also do things that may or may not upset them, right? Like, you could hurt feelings very easily in Commander. Yeah. You can definitely ruin friendships if you're not careful. It, it, to me, Commander is a great way to, like, almost bring me back down to earth a little bit and remind me that, you know, reprioritize a little bit of the things that really matter to me, which is... I love hanging out with people. I love I love when someone does something for the sake of it being crazy and fun, not necessarily trying to win or be right, you know? And that those are like small moments and small victories I think I take with me to how I interact with the rest of the world. This is going to sound a little schmaltzy, but it's true. Uh, Commander actually kind of made me a better person. Oh, in I that, think yeah. it 100% made me a better person. I mean, like person. people are maybe rolling their eyes because we're so cynical these days as well. But uh, I used to think it was really funny. Just just funny. It was funny for me to make agreements in Commander and then oh, and break, b- them. break them. I think I told this <laughs> yeah. in a previous one. And then one time a friend of mine got sincerely hurt and angry that then they were like, I trusted you. And I was like, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. Mm -hmm. And it was like, they were shaking. And I realized, and I was like, I didn't want that. That wasn't fun. That wasn't funny. I just thought it was funny, like a TV show where the, oh, I'm going to betray you. And I thought it was evocative of that. But after that, I made it a personal rule. And I had to win back the trust of my playgroup after that a little bit where I was like, no, I now have a rule that if it is said, it's in stone, period, no matter what. And that's, that's the new thing. But it gave me a perspective on life a little bit and about what is fun that may be something fun for me that is going to upset another person. Maybe I need to reevaluate just what it, what that is. And I feel better for it. Well, I think what it made you do and it forced you to do in that situation is you devise something in your head and in your experience in your own existence that you thought was fun for you. Right. Right. This is an entertaining thing that I can do to be a little trolley to right. do whatever, but it didn't account and take into account the other people at the table that right. everyone entered in, again, the social contract. Everyone is here yep. for similar reasons and that we're going to ob- obey by sort of a hidden, non-spoken set of rules. And one of them in your case, and I think in a lot of players' cases, is don't go back on something that you've agreed upon or shaken right. on, you know, all that. Right, right. So and I, I think that's great, by the way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from Magic the Gathering uh, in general, but the, these social interactions are almost exclusive to Commander because it is such a social game mm-hmm. because of the interaction, because of the politicking, because if we help each other out, someone's going to swing in and get you, Jimmy. I'm like, I can get rid of that creature. Right, we can work Let's together on something. We can work something. together. Let's work together. Yeah, how for- often are you working together right. with someone in a game of Magic the Gathering? That's one-on-one. Never. Yeah, literally never. Yeah, uh, well, two headed giants. Team, team right? GPs, yeah, team, team right? GPs. Yeah, that's, sure, that's sure. about it. But. Which are actually very popular. So yeah. maybe that says something about the psyche of magic players underneath the surface. Well, again, if we go back to the natural law that humans are hardwired to seek the common mm. good, maybe there is maybe something I'm there wrong about Hobbes. Maybe I'm wrong back in Hobbes. You know, maybe there's a little bit of both. Yeah, I'd say it's always a spectrum. Right, right. Well, now that we've said some things, let's see what actually the official Commander Rules Committee said about it. Mm. And I'll, I'll read this one off. So this is from the philosophy of Commander. Commander is for fun. It's a socially interactive, multiplayer Magic the Gathering format full of wild interactions and epic plays, specifically designed as an alternative to tournament magic. 
As is fitting for a format in which you choose an avatar to lead your forces into battle, Commander focuses on a resonant experience. Each game is a journey that the players share, relying on a social contract in which each player is considerate of the experiences of everyone involved. This promotes player interaction, intergame variants, a variety of playstyles, and a positive communal atmosphere. At the end of an ideal commander game, someone will have won, but all participants will have had the opportunity to express themselves through their deck building and gameplay. So that kind of encapsulates the things that we were talking about sure. here, right? It's in, beautiful in, words. It's a beautiful sentiment. But again, I question, if that is true, why do we need a ban list at all? <laughs> why, why are we not going to just trust that at a certain point, either you or through you listening to your playgroup, it's like, ah, eh, you know what? I'm not doing Leovold. Why, why can't we, why does Leovold need to be banned because of that one way of building him that is, I agree, I did a whole video about how he should be banned, but just to offer, uh, uh, if these words are 100% accurate, then why not just say, well, look, I'll build a Leovold Elves deck and it'll be kind of like Elf Ball, which Elf Ball's fine. And it's just, I like Leovold. I said, I love the flavor of the character. I won't build the oppressive lockout Leovold. I will just build a, a more Elf Ball-centered Leovold. I think that's a noble sentiment to have, <laughs> which is like, yeah, we have a contract. It's written. People have shared it. We talked about it. But at the same time, I think it's a bit, not naive, but it's a bit dangerous to assume that everyone's just going to be like, yeah, we're going to abide by this. Our player group's going to have excellent discussions about it. And I think the point of a ban list and the point of having something official written in paper is that even just avoiding that situation in the first place where you went in and promised something and then went back on it, mm -hmm. you know, no, we're not banning that kind of style. But if it's a card that has that same feel bad that leaves someone shaking because they were locked out of the game by like sure. Iono or someone took a 40-minute turn with Paradox Engine, right. maybe the ban list is something that's more preemptive to just say, look... We know these cards don't engender the sort of fun gameplay that's in the social contract. So without even having to take the risk of having players need to have this pretty high level discussion between players and maybe, you know, I'm again assuming that not everyone is amazing at social interactions and maybe people come to this game because they're, they are a little more shy or they're sure. not as great at doing that. So, oh, and I would say the last reason why they need the ban list is imagine buying a card that costs a lot because Leovold, let's say it's played in Legacy right. and then you play it and then everyone goes, don't ever play that again. Right, right. Then you have the extra feel bad of now you've invested in something and all that, so maybe you could avoid that in the first place. But there's a lot of reasons that I think a ban list does need to exist, but your point still does stand. It's just whether or not I think we can, as playgroups and as people, come to this understanding together without having to you know, make it awkward or even force the conversation. But also keep in mind there's something you mentioned earlier that you play uh, Commander with complete strangers, you play at GPs. Not everyone only plays in a playgroup, so it's very well and fair to say right. our playgroup will learn how to communicate well about what is and is not acceptable, but what about if I'm at a GP and I just want to get a game? I'm going to sit down with, with two, three strangers, and we don't necessarily have the same definition of fun or fair right and all we so have how is do the we, social right. contract but and we know and we, all four persons could have good intent but we need some form of guideline for then when we're playing with strangers uh, uh or people that maybe are not just a regular part of our play group yeah i've been invited to go play commander uh next week and i don't know what the house rules are but yeah. i'm gonna bring decks that are acceptable to play at that house because i follow these rules that are established yeah you know i think it's really important to think about also is that we, sure, we are a big portion of the Commander playgroup, the people that make the videos and watch the sure. videos online and consume the content and read and write the articles. 
but we are by no means the majority. I think Magic has grown to the point, and you know, especially when you have box product like the Commander product coming out every year, there are thousands and thousands of people that never will watch a YouTube video that buy these, go home and play. Right. And so I think there is a the real issue here. I find with having a philosophy of Commander on you know what is an outdated website that crashed the moment they put the ban list up, <laughs> is that you don't. You can't effectively communicate this to the people that may need to hear it the most, the first-time players, the people that, you know, don't really know what they're getting themselves into and may take that pre-con into a Magic Fest and be faced down with decks that are totally fair. Maybe they're 7 out of 10s, but they're going to get crushed and they're going to feel a different way about it because maybe not every player in that four-person group goes, oh, that person's new. Let's make sure that we really establish how this works so that they don't get the feel bad. So I think that's the real issue is that there are so many players that don't get to hear this messaging and the people that are super into it, we all kind of understand it, interpret it in our own way and we're making a podcast about it. But how many people aren't going to listen to that? Absolutely. But do you feel now to offer a little bit of a a other side of the aisle uh, question, do you feel that there is something problematic about defining what is and is not fun. Because one thing I noticed within the paragraph you just read, as well as other parts of the statement, is that the emphasis is on, we are... Our goal is to, through these bans, through these unbans, to keep the format fun for everyone. But what is fun? This is fun. Mm-hmm. And I'm not having fun. Yes, you are. I mean, are we running a danger of, <laughs> of that? How do we define fun? Well, I think that's, it's, one, it's impossible to define because every, it's relative to everyone, yeah. I think. I think you can point at some key things that fun shares. And I think they're mm-hmm. trying to get at it here, which is at the end of a commander game, all participants will have the, had had the opportunity to express themselves through their deck building and gameplay. But I don't think that's the only thing that determines fun. Right. For me, sometimes it's really fun to see someone that's been winning every single game get crushed by the new player, yeah, get caught fun. out of nowhere, right? And and maybe that's not exactly expressing yourself through deck building or gameplay, but it is something else that I found fun, which is like, that's so cool. I got to watch this social interaction and this friendship evolve from this point of these two used to be adversaries and right. one person was always better and now the person has overtaken them and that to me is like oh cool it's in the evolve i'm seeing something evolve in front of my eyes and so like i think it's very hard to define fun you are right in that that regard and i know if josh were here one of uh his many commander philosophies that i agree with is that josh is very uh, uh easygoing about the idea of something happens early game such as somebody combos off mm-hmm. no problem shuffle up let's get a new game but i know people because i'm always you know talking about uh, uh what folks like you and josh say and my many discussions about commander philosophy and i know people say that isn't fun mm-hmm. i don't like that uh, we we had a game started i liked my hand and we and then i had to shuffle up on turn three and and start a brand new new game because somebody went off and for for josh and myself i'm i'm in that philosophy as well i'm perfectly fine with all right let's shuffle up get a new game whereas other people are like this has made it unfun for me even though it's only been 10 minutes into our four hour commander night and yeah. we're starting a new game well it could be i don't want to shuffle again i don't want to take mulligans again right i had actual plans i just want to test out my commander deck yeah. i don't want to be conceding and shuffling by turn three you know this is where different philosophies on what is fun and what we're trying to get out of the game can come into conflict with one another yeah absolutely i mean for me you know i think i've had so many instances where i've played with groups of people that I've had to diffuse really hot situations. Mm. Something comes up, someone says something or something happens and either one person doesn't have the full understanding of why it's okay. You know, something happens and it's like, wait, wait, that's not fair. And it's like, oh, okay, everyone take a step back. Let's break it down. And so I think that's actually a big danger too is that 
by putting the policing into our own hands, mm-hmm. if it's completely in our own hands, then you're going to have a lot of degeneracy in small. You're going to have pockets where things don't work because the players can't mesh together, or maybe they all come in with their own preconceived ideas, and as a result, things clash really violently. Right. So it's it's a really tough tough thing to balance. So again, I think I really do appreciate what they're trying to do with the social contract of commander here. It's just very hard. I mean, imagine. Imagine I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want this job. I mean, me I don't. I don't envy them. I'm not thinking like, oh, how cush you get to make and break what is and is not commander. Yeah. My goodness, what a, a a weight to be put on your shoulders and your colleagues' shoulders. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't take it for if I, it isn't paid, and I wouldn't take it if it were paid. Imagine what would happen if you instead wrote what is the social contract, what is the philosophy of human life, and you wrote a document that said this, you're considerate of other blah, 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 blah. No, thanks. And trying to apply that to that, right? So this is a very hard thing, I think, for the commander committee to do. And it's something that I I don't, neither of us envy them about. But it's a great thing to discuss and a great thing to talk about the issues about proliferating a message like this and whether or not it's effective and all that. All right, we're going to take a quick break for some mid-roll ads, and we'll be right back, and we're going to discuss the ban list in Commander. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, moving on. Let's discuss the ban list of Commander from the philosophy of Commander. Mm. Now, what we read earlier was this only... This is where things get sticky. Sticky indeed. Now, what we were earlier was only half of sort of what they wrote. Um, they have a lot of text in this philosophy of Commander that also discusses why they ban certain cards. Now, what are the goals of the ban list? Now, before we get into what the rules committee define their goals are, 
what are your general philosophies in regards to ban? I think everyone knows mine and Josh's, which is less bans the better. I'd rather unban things than ban them. I agree with that sentiment, and I tend to – I would want uh, uh, as few bans as possible. Mm-hmm. I would like to, in most cases, trust groups and especially individuals about – you know, going too far about communicating power levels. So if right. you're into, I'm actually a huge spectator fan of CEDH. I don't personally play it, but gosh, I love reading articles about CEDH decks. <laughs> watching it, the it, games watching, go out. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watching those games go off. That's a lot of fun and and such. But I know that CEDH players, most of them say at a GP, looking for CEDH, not Hey, I'm looking for EDH. What do you got there? Oh, <laughs> you got your 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 cute little casual uh, Felden deck. No problem. Watch me go off turn two. Right. Uh, uh, they want to communicate that, and I think that's the right thing. When I sit down, I at a GP, I have multiple commander decks, and I'll say I've got a deck that's like 70, 75 percent optimized. I've got a fully optimized one, and then I'll usually have a precon with zero to only a few changes. Right. And that way, someone says, "Oh, I've only got a precon on me." I go, no problem. I love the precons. I got one on me. I've got a, a kind of mid level level deck mm-hmm. and then yeah I've got a I don't have CEDH but I've got a fully optimized you know regular commander deck on me and I make an effort to communicate right. those things and I would like to expect that most players would see the value in being communicative about the power levels of their decks before any games with new people. I would like to see fewer cards banned. And as far as bans are concerned, my criteria is is when we start to get to the point that it is a must-have card that becomes oppressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Prophet of Crufix is a really good example. Uh, Paradox Engine falls very similarly. Yeah, in that same line, I, I, I think. I'm 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 in agreement of of Paradox Engine. Not so much Iona, as we'll get to in a minute. But I I do see that with Paradox Engine. Is there any reason why you wouldn't put it in just about any commander deck just right off the bat? It's tough to justify if, if money wasn't weren't an issue. If you have mana rocks, the card is very good. Right. And then it gets to, well, then if I've got Paradox Engine in here, then why am I not also placing these cards in here mm-hmm. in addition to the mana rocks? And then we're getting to a point where there's less decision making on the part of the deck builder. There, we're going down too similar of a path, and that path is going down too extreme of a power level, too extreme of an oppressiveness, too extreme of an value engine, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where it becomes becomes, yeah, I think we should discuss whether or not this is a card that everybody should be pursuing a copy of. I see. That's kind of my philosophy. All right. Well, let's hear from the actual Commander Rules Committee from the Philosophy of Commander. The goal of the ban list is similar. It does not seek to regulate competitive play or power level, which are decisions best left to individual playgroups. The ban list seeks to demonstrate which cards threaten the positive player experience at the core of the format or prevent players from reasonable self-expression. The primary focus of the list is on cards which are problematic because of their extreme consistency, ubiquity, and or ability to restrict others' opportunities. Now they go on and they clarify that each band card is different levels of these characteristics. One thing isn't completely one thing. They all sort of share it and it's fluid between all of them. And so we're going to go through the list of what uh, they sort of made as the criteria. And I'm going to... As an aside, we'll also mention some banned and unbanned cards that we think fit the criteria and see if there's some double standards that need to be addressed here. Mm -hmm. So how about this, Prof? You read what they say, and I'll I'll talk about cards that are banned and and not currently banned that I think affect this. Sure. So in terms of causing severe resource imbalances, banned, we have Yawgmoth's Bargain. Mm -hmm. Now we have Paradox Engine. 
Grizzlebrand, uh, my precious Leovold, trade secrets, and tons more. Yeah, I think the cause severe resource imbalances is the biggest thing that a lot of cards are on the ban list for. Grizzlebrand, you know, things that just like immediately say, boom, I have more resources and I'm better off for it than you. Right. Um, but we currently unbanned, we still have Gaia's Cradle, mm-hmm. Cyclonic Rift, one-sided board wipe type effects, Teferi's Protection, you might say, causes an imbalance as well. I think the list could go on and on because we're dealing with so many cards from throughout Magic's history. And I I don't think that, you know, attempting to ban every card that's going to give you a resource imbalance easily and cost-effectively and consistently is that feasible because that's kind of what magic cards do every set that is what the people designing the cards are like let's have fun let's this card is going to uh uh uh, create a disturbance in the natural tempo Mm -hmm. of a game and then i play cyclonic rift and then i'm ahead if i've done it correctly uh uh or i've or you've gotten ahead and i've used it to completely set you back to square one this is a very interesting topic because i would assume that a lot of the cards that are banned also share a lot of the things in the other criteria here that they lift, they, they've listed because the causes a severe resource imbalances is kind of the way that a lot of games are won, which is someone outvalues you with their engine and wins that way. So they're looking for specific cards now, it seems. Uh, so we'll move on and we'll, we'll go through all of these. Um, the Certainly. second one is allow players to win out of nowhere. So banned, we have Coalition Victory, Channel Gifts ungiven, but you could also say channel also causes severe resource imbalances, by the way. And unbanned, I would say most two-card infinite combos, a lot of players went out of nowhere. Cards like expropriate, any just in general 9 to 11 mana spells tend to do that. Triumph of the Hordes, Crater Hoof Behemoth, these are all cards that 100% can allow a player to win on the spot for the most part, um, especially... You know, like, for instance, Felidar Sovereign, the card that just wins you the game if you have X number of life. Right, so, but how many alternate uh, uh, win-con cards are there? The Fel- there are a lot. Felidar is, I suppose, a really good uh, example for Commander because of the life uh, imbalance, because it's meant for a starting life total of 20. Right. And in Commander, we start at 40. And so it's like, oh, wow, that's very good, isn't it, with Felidar mm-hmm. Guardian? But again, you must get to your upkeep with Felidar Guardian. You cast it, and you don't instantly win having 40. That cast has to resolve. You've got probably three other players at the table. That cast then has to stick, and then you have to go through each of their turns. And not only do they have the ability to get rid of that Felidar Guardian, they just have to get you down at least you know one point below 40 right. for it to not be working. Yeah, I do see the issue with that, but... There's also what if you flash in before you're on the person's end step, just win on the spot. Sure, sure. Two I card mean, combo, right? A lot of two card combos do allow players to win out of nowhere. So this is another again. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm, that's where I'm going to Josh Lee Quine and say, "Great, shuffle up, new game." <laughs> I, I, I really do agree with that philosophy. Shuffle up, new game. All right. Next up on the criteria list is prevent players from contributing to the game in a meaningful way. So. This is where we've banned cards such as Upheaval, Caracas. World Fire, and yet unbanned, we still have things like Decree of Annihilation, just about any extra turn card, uh, Mind Slaver, yeah. and Sunder. Yeah, so that's interesting, too. I, you know, I do agree with this one more than the other ones, which is preventing players from contributing to the game in a meaningful way or a, or a super feel-bad way. And again, stacks. 
isn't banned, right? The idea of stacks is something that's been pervasive in Magic's history ever since Stasis was printed ever so long ago. Right. But I can see why Caracas is banned. That makes sense to me. Sure, sure. Because your commander is directly affected by this one land that can just endlessly return to your hand, and that's not fun. Right. Uh, I actually think this is the category I would put Leovold in because I don't believe that Leovold's ability to draw you a a huge amount of cards Mm -hmm. and generate resources in that way is what was ban-worthy about him. In fact, if that's all he did, I kind of think he could have still been legal. But the problem is, is that with another card combo, what happens is Leovold completely shuts down your opponents, all of them simultaneously, from being able to do anything other than getting one chance at one draw at instant speed per turn where they're going to draw and have that one opportunity, if it's the right spell, to cast it at instant speed, which is highly unlikely, and then the game is going to go on and on until you win. Mm -hmm. And that was what really soured me to Leovold was I, of course, got the card combo off, but then I didn't have the win for six or seven turns. Right. And I already, I offered to scoop and everyone's like, we want to see this play out. And it took me about six or seven turns to finally finish <laughs> everybody off and get to those pieces. Well, meanwhile, all three of them are sitting there twiddling their thumbs. Right. So they're not contributing to the game in a that's, meaningful that, way. That's, I think that's very hard to argue that that's still fun. Yes, I agree with that. Um, the next category, cause other players to feel like they must play certain cards even though they're also problematic. Now, this one I don't actually yeah. get because I would say this covers every single card that's banned because, you, I mean, they're problematic. But what's the thing, the response to a problematic card? Should we... Do we need to ban something like Counterspell? Because that answers most of these things. How exactly do you quantify we have to get rid of this card because it makes other players have to ramp up their power? And I think that's what they're getting at here, right? Which is we don't want an arms race. That's the last thing we want player groups to get into, which is I play this powerful card so that you need to play more powerful cards and buy Force of Wills and do X, Y, and Z to stop my deck. Right. But I think that's, that's kind of like the whole slippery slope argument thing, which is like at what point are you trying to set the line of what causes too, what is too problematic? I mean, when you build your commander deck based on your colors, you are going to, or at least you should, look into what types of removal you have available and what you're going to include. And that is an hour. Am I being forced to put removal into my black deck? And and no, but Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to because I want that answer. And so in anticipation of certain things, like, yeah, I do want my deck, if the color has access to the right type of removal, to have answers to Felidar Sovereign. Right. I want to be able to be the, the person who says, I can counter it. Will everybody give me a turn? So that I'm using a resource here to save the board. I'll counter the Sovereign. Everybody agree to give me a turn if I do? Uh, yep. uh, uh, I've got my Doomblade. But, but maybe not everyone plays like that, right? Maybe Maybe, not, everyone go, maybe, maybe not. someone goes, great, he wasted his spell. That's awesome. But That's going to give us more chances now to get back. But if you're building a blue deck and saying, well, I don't like that I'm being forced to put counter spells in to protect myself against bombs, that's... I don't know. I, I it's, it's, That's tough All for right. me. All right, next up we have this one. Are you? Uh, are very difficult for other players to interact with, especially if doing so requires dedicated, narrow responses when deck building. This so. is things like Recurring Nightmare, Panoptic Mirror, uh, Arayu, uh, Soratami Ascendant. Soratami Ascendant. Thank you for the pronunciation help on that no one. No worries. Uh, but meanwhile, unbanned, and it's so hard to, this is where it's so hard to justify stuff when Winter Orb is still unbanned. Stasis, Decree of Silence, Gaia's Cradle. Uh, These are all cards, I mean, again, like, sure, Guy's Cradle is easier to interact with because it's removal of a land, but Stasis, Leovold, 
I would say that Leovold fits into a lot of these categories, which sure. makes sense for him to be banned. Yeah. Then the question goes, is Iona problematic if one player gets shut down or one color gets shut down, but we have three players around the table that might be able to deal with it in other ways? Leovold was banned within, I don't know the exact date. I suppose I should have looked it up before the podcast. Pretty but quickly after he was Yeah, it was about alive. a year yeah. maybe. I think about a year. Uh, uh, that Which actually maybe is a long time in, in, in some sense. But Iona has been legal for the entirety of Commander. And I never really heard a peep about Iona. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Iona, I feel, is herself narrow. I have to be in white to begin with, uh, whereas uh, 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 I also have to be able to generate a large amount of mana or, to, or cheat out. her in. Yeah. But uh, so am I in white and other colors? Where are my options to cheat something in in white and other colors? That's getting more restrictive. And then I'm only locking out one color, maybe someone at the table is on a mono color, and that stinks. I'm on I'm on mono green, and then I choose in that situation to lock out the mono green player. Mm -hmm. But then other players have options to remove Iona, and uh, yeah, I get it. The idea is their concern is is then that mono green player is sitting there twiddling their thumbs while the rest of us get to play magic and figure out. And how so to we're not just it. shuffling up. We don't right. get to Josh Lee Kwai and just shuffle up. Uh, uh, I get it, but it's like such a series of if this and then this and then this and then this and then this, someone might get locked out one time. Mm -hmm. it, it feels narrow in its justification to me. Yeah, that's a tough one for me to justify as well. Especially um, since it's been legal for so long. Yeah, a lot of people brought up the argument that Void Winnower or Gaddic Teague-esque effects are more prohibitive and do this thing, which makes it difficult for players to interact with. If right. you're locking out 50% of every spell, of all the spells, because they're all even or, you know. All right, well, what concerns me is then, are we going to be going for those? Are we headed down slippery slope territory? Yeah. Going the, after Gaddic Teague the next. Argumentative fallacy or whatever mm. it is with slippery slopes. We'll see. All right, next up, the criteria is uh, these cards that interact poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format or the specific rules of Commander. So, for instance, we don't have sideboards in Commander. Right. Uh, trade secrets, cards like Leovold do not interact well with everyone drawing cards. Sylvan Primordial is just, you know, for it's a card that says every opponent and it really gets busted in that way. But Unbanned... We have cards like Jin Cataxius, or Humility, or Apocalypse, or Possessed Portal. So cards that, again, don't make it feel good for other players if they have zero cards in their hand because you land the Jin Cataxius and they have to discard everything. Is it difficult for players to interact with? I mean, it's it, this is an interesting one, too. I, I do agree that the sideboard's in Commander. I'd rather keep it very much less, as, li as low amount of complication as possible. So I'm fine with that. But the idea of saying that it interacts poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format seems hard to justify when there's so many cards that say each opponent and so many cards that say one opponent right and how do, do does that mean some cards interact very well with the multiplayer format or are they interacting poorly because they are too widespread like cyclonic rift mm -hmm. right each things that you don't control not just one opponent and they even tried to fix that almost in more recent sets where they made that six mana, but it's only bouncing all of one player's stuff. Right. So they've kind of narrowed down that effect because clearly I don't think they were considering multiplayer when they say each each you know non permanent you don't control with Cyclonic Rift. Right, right. And again, especially in the idea of sideboards 
for Commander in a way you can sideboard in Commander just before your game. Yeah. I mean, you can say, for example, hey, I've got my whatever deck, and in some situations, I might want to have an increase in removal, and I know what four or five cards I, I, I'm going to take out a little bit of my aggro, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put in a little bit more counter magic, and, and or vice versa. Oh, okay, I don't need this much counter magic for this matchup. Uh, I mean, you don't know the matchup going in. It, again, this comes down to whether or not you're playing against strangers or a play group, right. but I think that introducing sideboards and then allowing, say, wish cards. Be tough. That's tough. Yeah. Uh, And their final criteria is that it leads to repetitive gameplay. So Time Vault, Channel in a way, uh, Paradox Engine maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. things that like Lab Maniac is one that's not banned, but it's like this is my win condition, this is how I get there. And, you know, we have unbanned cards like Narset, Enlightened Master, which I would say once she attacks once, you're just trying to fish out one of three ways to win right. every time. Well, or, or... All of CEDH is all about kind of a repetitive tutors. game tutors and trying to win in a specific way. I mean, one of my favorite decks is is, is Tesa Orzov Scion combo, and that deck is, is, is like... 50, not really, but it's like, it's huge number of tutors yeah. in that deck because I'm going to get a several piece combo. And so basically I'm tutoring, you know, to my heart's content. And so is that, and so that is a, in a way repetitive. Now my mm-hmm. responses to all of you and your responses to whether or not you prioritize me as a threat and at what point in the game I become a threat makes for different games. But is it going to come to a point where it's like, yeah, I mean, people are playing Tesa for a combo win, going to get uh, uh, Darkest Hour, going to get uh, a blasting station mm-hmm. and then combo off. It's the same game every time. Commander's supposed to be singleton so that every time it's a different game, let's ban that. Yeah. And I will say this, I don't know anything really about CDH, but it does seem like consistency and making sure that your win cons are the same every time is a big part of the format. So And yeah. they really enjoy that. And that's a large, that's a non-zero uh, oh, number absolutely. of the player base. Yeah. And, and I think it's... I mean, I would say that I make decks that I want to win in the same way each time because that's yeah. kind of the point of the deck. Like, I think you'd like CEDH. I'm sure I would, but yeah. like I happen to have the worthy deck that is all about just burning face. Okay. Right? Like that's the comp- that's repetitive for me maybe, but it's mm-hmm. also very fun for me. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. So these are all the criteria that they've listed out. I'm just going to go on the record and say this. I don't think listing the criteria out is a good idea. No. It allows way too many holes and open areas for people to go in and start poking around and saying, well, why not this? Why this and why not that? I think in general, if they just kept the philosophy itself and didn't go deep into the weeds of why they banned certain cards, it would be a lot easier for people to stomach, okay, I get it. This goes against the fun of the format. Right. Not trying to list, okay, five of the six criteria this fulfills and the sixth one it doesn't, but that's fine because it's a majority, you know, like it's way too easy to get technical about something that in a lot of cases is kind of based off of more personal experience or the accumulation of multiple opinions, you know, with the, that they might have from the commander advisory group, for instance. I, I agree with that completely. And I also think that their uh, statement of philosophy probably could have been further shortened that uh, even though uh, some might say it's a concise document, the more that they say, the more that contradiction can be offered and rebuttal can be offered. And that's what people are going to do, especially in an emotional situation, such as cards that are being banned or the implication of future, you know, what's being considered for the next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and, see people making surveys and petitions to try and right. reverse the ban. It's, by the way, not going to work. I think this is one case where less is more. Draft a, a very concise statement, maybe even just a paragraph about the philosophy. I would focus on more, I think what got overlooked a uh, a lot is the difference between this is the uh, uh, advisory group versus the rules committee. I saw so many people on, on, on Twitter and Reddit and other social media confusing 
The, the two? two, or even not even recognizing that these were two separate entities thinking they were one mm-hmm. entity. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is one group that offered suggestions to the actual committee that makes the decisions. And and that is two very different things. Right. Yeah, they are very different things. There's a lot of confusion out there. Honestly, you know what I want? I want a short, concise paragraph that they can include on the back. Oh, of a commander box. That's a clever idea. Right? Something that when you when you buy this product and you're a new player, you can go on the back and read what it says. But instead, on the back of Arabo, Roar of the World, we have Rally Your Forces, Crush Your Enemies. Choose your commander and lead your tribe to triumph in this unique multiplayer magic format. Discover the strength of kinship with decks that focus on tribal synergies and a sense of unity. That's cool. It's telling you what you're going to sure. find in here. Yeah, so I think like that's that's the opportunity that I think the philosophy of Commander has, which is this is the most popular product to bring people into the format. We see it every year. Tons yeah. of new players come in. These commanders often become the most popular commanders on EDH Rec and other sites. This is the chance for you to address them. I think this is where you're going to find the real juice of it. I think you do need to say that there is a ban list somewhere, that you can't just pick up this and build anything. I think you need to describe to people this is what you're entering into, and this is the fun of it, is that you're playing with multi, multiple people, and, and the way that this experience is defined is this communal sense of fun and respect. Is there any uh, uh, link uh, uh, offered for going to like a, a more in-depth commander document on the mothership on the back of that? It links to magicthegathering.com, mm. which unfortunately is not where I think you need to be. You know what I think they should also to... have? In, on like the back of one of the token or, or like yeah. a little included ad card, a little thing for, you know, command zone to get more <laughs> people watching. Now, like, like obviously Maybe, you yeah. want that for views and stuff, but like actually the best thing for commander would be more people cons- like, like the, the 99% of magic players probably don't come to our programs for this. And it would probably help in understanding things like social contract and such uh, if they did. A little, little bit of a nudge from from Wizards. I like, mean, hey, I've come done, on. I've done a video on, on the Wizards channel about how to play Magic. Sure. Willing Ready Run's done a few about how to mulligan and all that stuff. I think there would be a great opportunity as well to put something up that's more official, that doesn't need to be our channel, but needs to be a message being said that's not, again, a website that looks like it was made in 1995 on a forum that no one uses and would literally crash the moment people, too many people visited. Yeah. I that... think there's a better way to get this message out because I respect the message and I think it's super important. And this, again, harkens back to the point where a long time ago, I've, I've always been saying I, I want the Commander Rules Committee and Wizards of the Coast to work more closely together because I think you have too important of a message in the format is too big for you to sort of ignore the impact that it has now. Why isn't Wizards of the Coast hosting this just on their website? Uh, 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 the whole fact that it, it crashed because it was on GeoCities or whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, it looked like it, like like purple does, background, yes. green font or whatever, yeah. like sort of website out of out of, of ye old days. Uh, I don't understand why there isn't a, a host by the mothership that they can post this very important information. Well, on. I mean, the mothership has an outdated ban list often and doesn't oh, update dear. until Do later, right? Still? So there, I thought they fixed that. Well, I know that someone said, hey, this hasn't been updated on the mothership yet. It doesn't say I own this band, et cetera. So I, oh, there's, a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of things here that I think, I don't know if there's anyone to blame because I don't think that's right. We're all very busy no. people and a lot of things often fall through the cracks with this. 
I just think that moving forward, we need to find a better way to communicate this message because I do think it's important. And I think the philosophy of commander can be condensed into something that's much more concise and really speaks to what it is. I think we have a great start here, but so often as I've seen with a lot of things on the internet and just people, again, speaking from emotion or speaking from a place that they love something is that we often put out version one, version two of things instead of version five, version six. Right. And you should see the outlines we go through for Command Zone sometimes, like the Commander Summit went up to version six, that we had so many different iterations of it because we really wanted to make sure that what we were making fit the Commander community, and we still made mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think something like this requires a little bit more care and time to really make good. I agree. All right. So that's our philosophy of Commander discussion. Uh, before we end the show, though, I wanted to do something called called story time. What is and, this? Uh, this I, is... I brought a little present for you, Prof. What, what's going on? Uh, so I thought it'd be fun. After, I legit don't know what he's doing, by the way. After talking about all of this stuff, about what it means to play Magic, I thought yeah. it'd be fun for us to share some stories inspired by Magic cards that maybe harken towards this. And so I brought you <gasps> your favorite set ever. Oh, my God. An Innistrad booster pack for you to open. That's and I brought one for myself, which is a Return to Ravnica, which is the first booster pack I ever opened when I got back into playing Magic. Wow. This is... Thank you, Jimmy. This yeah. is such a special thing. This is when I returned after my hiatus to Magic the Gathering, and it started what I would say is the greatest phase of my life. And this and, as well. Yeah. For me. And 100%. and I also and also it doesn't hurt that it was the best set that like <laughs> like arguably, if not the best, one of the best Magic the Gathering sets made for Absolutely. draft, for standard, for modern, for legacy, for popper, for commander. <laughs> everything out of Innistrad Cube. Cube. Cube, everything out of this set goes into every way we play magic. And I love it. Oh my God. My very first pack of Innistrad, it was my very first pre-release, oh. my very first pack. I got Liliana for the veil. I did. No I way. I did. And I was so excited and I showed the, the lady ah. and she didn't care at all. <laughs> she was just like, yeah, yeah, great, great. No gum. Well, you let's know. crack it open right. and see all if right. we can come up with any stories or if you're inspired by the cards in here. Oh, yes. It's, okay. It's ASMR podcast now. Okay. Oh, yes. So what we've opened up is <laughs> cobbled wings. Oh. Cobbled wings. Uh, I don't have much. Flying, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's nice. You give creature evasion. Yeah. Uh, skeletal grimace, which is really. Do I need to hold it up to the no, camera? No, we'll show you'll, the you'll cards. Show it. Yeah. Although the grimace. listeners at home, you have to imagine. Right. Well, it, so imagine some really creepy artwork. Yeah, imagine that, smiling so hard that your skin peels. That reminds me and of the snaps guy back from Raiders of the Lost Ark when his skin melts at the yeah, end. Yeah. 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 I, I have seen that one, that movie. It looks exactly like that to I've me. I've seen Ooh, that movie. Very very creepy. Uh, uh, voiceless Spirit. I don't remember this card. 2-1 Flying First Strike for two generic and a white. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Absolutely. Oh, now ah. here we go. Still played to this day in multiple formats. Ancient Grudge. Yep. Uh, and that's the thing about Innistrad is that it's still so many of these cards, even at common. This is... This will turn up in modern. Yeah, this will turn up in sideboards everywhere. Yeah, this will turn up. Would you, would you run this in in a commander deck? Ancient oh, Grudge, absolutely, you would. It's two so for one. Think about that. A common that three formats today are still minimum using one red, one generic. Destroy target artifact. Flash it back for green. Pretty if nice. there and it has such great flavor text. Oh, if there's anything a werewolf hates. It's a collar, mm. especially Avison's collar, the symbol of her church. The memes and jokes about this flavor text are epic. I invite people to post <laughs> those old memes from the day. So the joke is that it's over-explaining it. Right. That all it needed to say is if there's anything a, a werewolf hates, it's, it's this a collar. collar. But then it's like, especially Avison's collar, which is the symbol, symbol of her church. church. Just want to make sure. Did you get it? Vampire interloper. I uh, loved this card. 2-1 flying. flying. Can't, can't block. block. 
popper playable here, Curse of the Pierced Heart. This is for uh, really nice in burn ah, decks. Yeah, totally. Uh, start doing one damage a turn. Enchant player at the beginning of Enchanted Player's Upkeep. Curse of the Pierced Heart deals one damage to that player. Knock, another, knock. Another popper playable card. That's really interesting. We have yeah. two popper cards in here so far. All right. I have a bit of a problem with the title of this one. Urgent Exorcism. Is there ever like a just a like, ah, it's no rush. <laughs> it's like you call the priest. Yeah. Yeah, my little girl, she's possessed by the devil himself. But huh? no, rush. No, no rush. No, no rush. No rush. No rush. No rush. This is a, spinning around and she's it's spewing actually kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, no rush. No rush yeah, anytime. anytime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually. But, I like you know, that. I eventual like that. exorcism. What's, 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 yeah, eventual exorcism. <laughs> Destroy target spirit or enchantment. Okay. All right. That's, that's the thing. Um, manor skeleton. Ah, Mind your manners. Mind your manners. Uh, black and a generic to regenerate great a 1-1. once again on this card. Uh, the art just in amazing. all of It's just so great. I love spidery grasps art oh, as well. Very nice. I'm going to say that about every card. Two, generic and a green, untapped target creature, gets plus two, plus four, and gains reach until end of turn. Spidery grass. Spider a lot of spiders grass. in this one. Slayer of the Wicked. Three generic and a white for a three-two. Uh. When Slayer of the Wicked enters the battlefield, you may destroy target vampire, werewolf, or zombie, which I liked that they did that in the Innistrad block. Great flavor, yeah, totally. Yeah, they did right. that also, that sort of thing with like Victim of Night, where mm-hmm. it was tribe-specific. And then you end up getting really neat cards as a result. Oh, Bramble, Bramble crush. crush. Destroy target non-creature permanent. Now, that's actually 100% a playable card in EDH. You can yep. get rid of lands. It's it's direct removal in green to get rid of anything that's not a creature. Anything. Right. right. Two green and a uh, uh, two generic. And then the, the flavor text here, I, I made fun of with Graham of Loading Ready Run yeah. when we did our Garrick uh, office hours because it says here, civilization is fertilizer, which we had Graham say as Garrick. <laughs> and then I said, yeah, but fertilizer is a part of civilization. So wait a minute. Like, fertil- fertilizer is to natural that's a man-made <laughs> civilized a thing. thing ah very nice Ooh, the art on that oh Mon. look it's nils ham dull surprise moan of the unhallowed Boon. two black two generic put two 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 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield and flashback, flashback. Is flashback one of the greatest mechanics in all of Magic? Anytime Jimmy? you can play a card from your graveyard, it makes it a very good. Yeah, yeah I love it. A little, little costly there. Two black and five generic, but still. But hey, for limited, you know, they couldn't make it too busted for other formats. So all right, the rare, limited. it's a white. The rare's a white. We're peeking out. Oh, playable. Did you look at that. Stony Silence. Stony Silence. Uh, another card that may kind of be a... Uh, you know, on the uh, the criteria for the ban list, right? Well, that, yeah, I mean, you know, so what Prevent if I've got players a, from yeah. contributing to the game in a meaningful way? Right. Yeah. Activated abilities, of, but boy, do I love dropping this Causes on my opponent's Causes severe resource rocks. imbalances. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah. See. White and a generic. Stats. There we go. That's nice. Very That's nice. still a couple bucks right now, yeah, isn't great it? Card. Great card. And then beautiful little uh, uh, Cynthia Shepard. Oh, good old Cynthia Shepard. Zombie. And then we had these... Uh, the checklist cards. <gasps> Ooh, <gasps> Bloodline Keeper. Bloodline one of my favorite keeper. dual-faced cards. Oh, wow. Beautiful card blah two black blah two black and two generic ah, 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 <laughs> ah, for a total ah, of four ah. four cmc flying you can tap him to uh uh birth out a two-two <laughs> black birth vampire out. creature i've never heard that before right. well I, I was gonna say what i normally express it as but we're keeping it family friendly okay, good good yes but then you can spend one black to transform him so he propagates all these other little tokens mm-hmm. and then fazoom you transform him and other vampire creatures you control get not plus one plus one but plus two plus two, plus two. two. and an activated ability tap it put a two two black vampire creature and token with flying this was a spicy pack where'd you get this from uh, I got it from uh, Channel Fireball. Did something t- uh, th- two years ago at GP Vegas. Yeah. It, was a, it was a chaos draft across the years. Yeah, and so I got all the packs from that. I wasn't able to participate in it, but I did get the packs because I, I paid for the event, but it ended up being too busy. 
Thank you for sharing this Absolutely. with me. Absolutely. You're more should... than welcome to keep that pack. Well, you know what we should do? Yeah. Let's take the two rares, okay. and you and me will each sign the two rares, oh. and you give it to a viewer. That's a great call. It's the professor and Jimmy, uh, uh, not, and no Josh Lee Kwai on this. That no. makes it special. That makes it special. <laughs> well, because everything else from the command zone will have the both of you, but this That's is the true. only this thing the that'll only be the thing. two of us. I love it. All right, well, we're going to do the same here. Oh, I love you too, Prof. Mm -hmm. We'll do the same thing for this uh, Return to Ravnica. The first thing I ever bought when they came back was one of those winter booster boxes. Yeah. It had you new know, winter packs that had like six things of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those were f neat. Uh, Giant Growth. Just a classic. Just I forgot this was that's even my, That's my, my, my first deck was like uh, 15, 16 giant growths and yeah. a, a trample war mammoth. And then they had to sit me down and explain no more than four of one card. Ah. I was just like, this is genius. I'll put just, in 14 giant growths. Giant I'll growth win everything. on two. Yeah. yeah. Just blah, blah, blah. They're like, no, you can't do that, kid. <laughs> well, you could. when I first started playing, you could do that with lightning bolts. Ooh. And that's what I did. Uh, Hussar Patrol. It's a flash vigilance. Rather regal looking guy. I, yep. I love the flavor of all the colors, right? I never saw color pairs like this before when they came back to Magic. Oh, Grizzly Salvage. Grizzly Salvage. That was a key part of my favorite standard deck, period, of what is my favorite standard deck. What's that? Uh, 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 French Rites from the period of uh, Return to Ravnica there you go. and original Innistrada type of a standard reanimator, and you used Grizzly Salvage to dump stuff into your uh, graveyard. Reveal the top five cards of your library. You may put a creature or land card from among them into your hand and put the rest into your graveyards. Yeah. You did, not, you did not take the creature you take the land or you take the creature if it's a mana dork mm -hmm. uh, because you're looking to get unburial rights into the graveyard to ah. flash back on turn three with the mana dork in play very nice yes really salvage very very powerful uh in action injunction this is a fun name yes it's just a it detains a creature and you draw a card and a little sorcery there yeah. is it guild gate it is is it it is this is is it is it it is. It's Steam Vents. But it's not. It is, right. is it, but it isn't. Is it? Is it? Few, few people re remember that the is it are, they, they is, the pl <laughs> the plumbers and electricians of Ravnica, that their day job when they're not creating these dynamos of right. of, 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 of dubious uh, purpose, that like just the day-to-day -day of an is it guild member is like, I hear your, your hot water's out. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Well, because it's a big guild, so like only a few of the mad right, scientists are doing right. temporal experiments, and the rest are plumbing. I like it. It says the flavor text: enter those with the vision to create and the daring to release their creations. That's me. The plumbing system. Right. <laughs> Keening apparition: one in a white for a very realistic looking. Uh, yeah, that's art eerie. Here by Therese Nielsen. Uh, it's a two-two, and you just you sacrifice to destroy target enchantment. Ogre Jailbreaker. I love this card. Three mm -hmm. in a black for a defender. Ogre Rogue. It's a 4-4, four, four, so it's a 4-4 four, for four, 4, but it can attack if you have a gate. So great card in Limited. Esperius Skywatch, another big bird that detains creatures. Rubbleback Rhino. Ye old 5-mana, 3-4 hexproof Rhino. Bluster Squall. This is a card I think should see more play in EDH. It's one blue. It's an instant. It has Overload. Uh, you can tap target creature you don't control, or for three in the blue, you do it to every target creature, every creature you don't control. I really liked Overload. Yeah, Overload, great mechanic. Obviously, Cyclonic Rift, very powerful card. Well, Electricery for Popper. Ah, yeah, that's right. Fencing Ace, one and a white for a 1-1 one, one double strike. He's an ace. We're coming up on the ring here. I love the art on Treasured Find. Treasured Find. Look at that Jason art. Jason Chan, black and a green for a sorcery. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand and exile Treasured Find. Jason Chan was a local to uh, when I lived in uh, San Francisco Pacifica oh, really? area, and he would come to the game shop every now and then. Huh. Real nice guy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, the rare in the pack. What do we got? Sherrod, Golgari, you got Whistler. a commander. Look at this. We have three cards in here that all would go in the deck. So Gerard, yeah. Grizzly, Salvage, and Treasured Fine. Just right. like that. You could open one. Oh, man, the magic, right? 
you could open one pack and boom, three cards pull you in the direction to build a commander deck. And uh, he was the headliner of what I would argue is the best uh, out of every dual deck ever made on all criteria, which mm -hmm. was the Izzet versus Golgari oh, dual I deck. Oh, I love those dual decks. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I love them too. I was, a, I, I know I occasionally, with my grades, you know, like I was critical of them. Yeah. Uh, some were great, some were less great, but the greatest I would probably say was, oh, you got a foil too, was yeah. Is It versus Golgari. What's your foil? It's a Terrace Worm. It's Ooh. a scavenge card. Also a card you could put in Gerard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could, uh, you could sacrifice this creature and then each opponent's going to lose uh, life equal to that creature's power and then it has scavenge so you could exile it from your graveyard in extra value and make everyone drain for five, yeah. So, so some lucky viewer or listener is going to get a uh, commander, commander signed by Jimmy and myself. As well as a couple of cards to go with it and we also have a Bloodline Keeper and a Stony Silence. I guess we'll figure out how we'll do the giveaway but we'll maybe do a cross promotion between our channels. Oh. Uh, make sure you're following both of us on Twitter. Where can we find you, by the way? Uh, oh. You can find me on YouTube at Tolarian Community College. I do all sorts of Magic the Gathering content from my very own podcast called Dies to Removal mm -hmm. to uh, product reviews. If there's a product on your shelf, I guarantee I have offered a review of it <laughs> yes. to is it worth it videos to deck text to old angry man rants about every little thing in magic. And, and some great interviews too. Occasionally a little bit of discourse. One day I'd love to do, do an interview ah. with you. Many Magic the Gathering players ask Jimmy Wong. Uh, so uh, uh, when you're in when you're in the Portland area, you come would, on by. I'll get to interview you. I would love to do that. I right. love Portland. But go as check well. out Tolarian Community College if you haven't already. And uh, I hope to see you there. We'll, we'll yeah. do a little cross promo giveaway. That's here. right. All right. To the listeners, what's your philosophy of commander? Is there anything that we talked about today or wasn't mentioned in the document that you'd like to cover as well? You can leave a comment as well below. And uh, yeah, I'd love to know what tenants you guys hold as well. As always, this show is brought to you by CardKingdom.com/slash/CommandZone. If you are interested in building a deck now that perhaps fits better into the philosophy of Commander, now's your chance. Use our affiliate link or the Profs affiliate link. Honestly, you know what? If you're contributing to one of us, you're contributing to the community as a whole. Don't feel like it's one or the other. Maybe you place two orders, one with both. Doesn't also, really the thing is, is Card Kingdom, I'm just happy that you're contributing to Card Kingdom, not because they're my sponsor or your sponsor, because they're really awesome people. They're I mean, awesome. I think I'm not going to embody... let just anybody put their name next to my channel. Mm -hmm. And I know you feel the same way. It was not simply a case of, yeah, who's next? Who's got the money? Bring it up. It's a case of these, <laughs> you know, we're chomping on cigars. <laughs> next, uh, Card Kingdom brought the biggest wheelbarrow of cash. <laughs> Card Kingdom yes. are amazing people. They are so invested in the Absolutely. Magic Gathering community. They do an enormous amount of charity work, not just in Magic the Gathering, but in just gaming mm -hmm. and board gaming. Their uh, brick and mortar shops are a sight to behold. The and best I'm in so the world. proud to be able to work with them. So whether you use uh, Command Zone or Tolarian Community College or Loading Ready Run or yeah. any number of other people that I stand alongside proudly you are contributing, I mean, you to, are a contributing to a great organization. And, and a great organization. And I would say that they, they have a philosophy of gameplay that applies across all of their board games. Yes. And the way that they hold their events definitely embodies that in a in a vibe and how it feels in the store as well. So yeah, supporting Card Kingdom supports all of us and you're also really supporting a great organization. For me, the fact also that when I look at the affiliates, everybody that uh, in Magic the Gathering is, is supported by Card Kingdom, I cannot think of a finer group of people to mm. stand alongside. I love them. And yeah, that says a lot to me about who they want to put their name next to as well. Another fine group of people we stand alongside is Ultra Pro because they provide an awesome product also for us to give away to you. And of course, now let's move on to the end step where we talk about something outside the world of magic and my belly just rumbled. I'm thinking about food. But do you have anything, Prof? Uh, anything outside of magic? 
Oh, um, um, I really like uh, 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 board games. Does do that too. count? Yeah, any, uh, any board uh, games uh, you played I've recently? I've been playing, well, not a board game. I've been playing another Richard Garfield game, which is Keyforge. Keyforge, uh, Yes, yeah, I've been doing a little absolutely. bit of, uh, does it count that I've done some Keyforge content on my channel? Though I've monetized everything. We're going to live stream your lunch, Jimmy. So I mean, like, <laughs> every aspect of our lives is monetized. But I sincerely love Keyforge. That's it is great. an awesome game. It's also by Richard Garfield. It's kind of, I feel, I'm not an expert on this level, uh, but I feel that it was Richard Garfield trying to fix what were some aspects of magic that he was not a fan of. Ah, I see. Uh, uh, such as uh, having to acquire cards that maybe you could not easily acquire. Mm -hmm. And so with Keyforge, for those who don't know, you get a complete ready-to-play out-of-the-box deck that you are not allowed to alter. At all. That's so, your deck. Yeah. It's like a booster pack, but in a deck form. Right. And so it's just like, imagine if these two boosters that Jimmy and I cracked open now, that we could sit down. I mean, we could. Uh, uh, but play them against each other. Play a complete deck against each other. That's Keyforge. And it's, I, I'm addicted to it. Now, that means I'm also buying a lot of, of decks and cracking them open. Because yeah. I keep wanting to get a slightly better one, slightly better one, slightly yeah. better Is one. Is this the right combination? Right, we'll find right. out. Uh, but, God, I love Keyforge. Yeah, and I've been, I've been playing a heck of a lot of it lately. Yeah. Something else you should check out is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. You can find them at The MMCast or right next to us on Collective.com. They do modern videos. Obviously, a lot of cards we talked about today also apply to modern. They also have great theories and talks about Commander occasionally. Alex Kessler was a part of our Commander Summit. You, you didn't say your end step. I said my end step. What are you uh, doing outside of Magic? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm still playing Teamfight Tactics. I love this I game. I haven't played that one, so I should check it out, huh? You know, if you're a Magic player and you like the League of Legends universe yeah. or just drafting in general or strategy-based games, Teamfight Tactics is a version of an auto-chess game, so you're buying units out of a shared pool and you're putting them on the board and they're fighting automatically. Uh, Josh and I actually started a new podcast about it because we love the game so much. Uh, we have a whole new crew of people working on it here at the office. So if you guys like that, you should find so us on Twitter as well, so, at yeah. TF Tactical. Well, currently there is zero dollars being made from this and a lot of extra time that we don't know if it's, if it's being invested wisely because we just love the game so much. And yeah, we want, yeah, yeah. And our, again, the thing that we want to do is help other players get victories and, and win and, and have fun playing the game. Well, check We've it had out. tons of people tweeting at us with their screenshots of their number ones after listening to our podcast. And that's honestly, that's all we're going for. And that's yeah, great. yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm not making any money whatsoever off the Keyforge videos. They're not getting big views, so. Yeah. I mean, like, when we say, like, monetize, like, think about it this way. If you release a video that gets a million views, you get around $1,000. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So then do the math. and that's, Do the math. Do the math. It ain't great. My, my, my little 20,000 viewed Keyforge video on Learn How to Play. I mean, that's why we rely on our sponsors and our Patreons and, and all that. Because yeah. Because they really do help us fill the rest of that sort of budget. We have a lot of full-time editors here at the Command Zone. You have your own staff as well we're pumping out content as much as we can these past YouTube two weeks YouTube buys a pizza for everybody these and that's past very two, nice of them these past two weeks may be the craziest I've had in a long 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 time yeah. uh, for both Command Zone and all that um, so yeah very interesting our editors for the show Ashlyn Rose uh, and uh, just whoever else is around honestly doing it and we've got lots of people like Terry and Murph and Josh working on game that's endless and day in and day out Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. We all love this guy. He does the living card animations behind us, as well as the ones you see at the beginning, at the end of our video podcast at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. All right, if you guys want to win some of these cards, make sure you follow both the professor and the command zone command cast on Twitter, and we'll find a way to get them to you to a lucky winner that we will decide somehow, someday, somewhere over the rainbow. All right, so that's the song I do know. Somewhere. Will we get demonetized for singing rain. that? Is that owned? We have to sing it really poorly. Yeah. Somewhere. Over, over the rainbow, rain, 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 rainbow, rainbow, they've turned off. Kermit. Uh, okay, boss. <laughs> Thanks for coming around, Prof. We'll Thanks for you. having oh, me. Oh, wait, and we're going to have a video out on your channel as well at some point, so yes. keep an eye out for that. 
All right. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.